All right, uh, brothers and sisters, we're going to go into our uh, scripture reading today, which comes from uh, the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, we're going to read chapter 7, verses uh, 7 through 12. And so um, I, I announced this last week, but we had a, 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 an anonymous donor uh, donate these ESV Bibles. And so we're going to be reading in the ESV from now on. And so uh, feel free to use one of the Pew Bibles, or if you have your own Bible app or brought your own Bible, that would be great. And so again, uh, that is uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. And so we're going to do an alternate reading, which means that I'll read the first verse, and we'll all respond with the verse after that, and we'll keep going back and forth until the end. And so uh, if you could please stand as able, if you're ready to read the scripture. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So, brothers and sisters, uh, As we mentioned, we're continuing in our sermon series, Metanoia, and uh, today's message is is called The Community of Prayerful Love. Um, We're continuing uh, from last week, and, you know, we've mentioned that a lot of these messages build on each other. And so last week, we were talking about how we have this human tendency to want to control other people. And so we were talking last week about judgment and condemnation. And how we might use that to try to control other people. And then there was this passage that we explained uh, um, that maybe you've heard before uh, about not throwing your pearls to swine. And, you know, what that passage is about is saying that the, the pigs can't digest pearls, right? And so you may think you have great things to tell other people, but if they're not in a position to receive it, then it's, it's, it's worthless, right? And in fact, the pigs, it'll be a frustrating experience for everyone, and the pigs will actually turn on the people who are trying to feed these wonderful pearls to them and attack them, right? And that's what a lot of us experience. And so uh, uh, I was thinking about that idea that you can't force people and thinking about some of the fantasies that we have that we could. That, that we could just change people's minds through a wave of the hands. And does this make you think of any, anything, like being able to change someone's mind by a wave of a, the hand? Anyone watch Star Wars? Um, so maybe some of you have, have uh, seen Star Wars and there's these Jedis, right? I don't know about you, but when I was little, I so wanted to be a Jedi. Man, they're so cool. They have like lightsabers and stuff. But they have these powers, and one of their powers is a power of persuasion. And so what they will do is that they'll tell the person what they want. And they'll be like, so this is one of the Jedis in one of the movies, one of the, one of the bad ones, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the prequels were, which were kind of forgettable. But, um, you know, so what they will do is like, you know, let's say, you know, you wanted someone to give you 20 bucks. It's like, 
you, you will give me 20 bucks. And then the person was, will be like, I will give you 20 bucks, you know? <laughs> or it's like, you know, I don't know. If, if someone is like being stubborn, it's like, you will agree with me. And then the person's like, I will agree with you. <laughs> yeah, and, and brothers and sisters, I wish it worked that way. Don't you wish sometimes you had Jedi powers? Don't you wish sometimes that the stubborn people in the world that won't do what you know is good for them, that you could just be like, hey, you know what? <laughs> do it my way. It's better. It's better this way. Don't you wish that? I think, you know, for many people, <laughs> this is a wish fantasy for us. And, you know, as a parent, oh my gosh, there's so many times I just wish I could be like, go to bed. You know, <laughs> it doesn't work. I'm telling you, I've tried. It doesn't work. You know, um, brothers and sisters, we're not Jedis, right? And, and you, you cannot force people. You cannot coerce them. You, you cannot manipulate them or control them as many times as we may want. I mean, you can in some ways manipulate people, but oftentimes it doesn't work out best. I mean, even though we know we're not Jedis, we still try to to control people. It doesn't stop us from trying. But brothers and sisters, as we were talking about last week, that, that it usually doesn't end well, right? It ends with the pig turning on you and, or, you know, the person turning on you. Let's not call people pigs, but <laughs> I'm just using the language from the scripture, right? Uh, it usually, it, you know, ends with someone turning on you, right? It usually ends with the breaking of the relationship. Is that God's desire for us? I believe that God has a better way for us. And that is why This message is called the community of prayerful love. This is what God is trying to create, right? This whole sermon series, which we have been walking through, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And we have told you from the very beginning that the Sermon on the Mount, primarily, it's not just about moral teaching. It is about a vision of living in the kingdom of God. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a community. A community where things are the way that God desires them to be, right? An ideal community, you know, the best kind of community, right? That God really wants us, Jesus wants us to live into, right? And so, brothers and sisters, there is a better way. So, what we are going to share is is how we live into that, a better way. And what might be kind of funny is we are going to read a passage that, for me, I have always thought of this only in one way. But what I want to uh, 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 sort of suggest to you is that this passage is not just about prayer. Most of us, we only view this in prayer. It is about prayer. But it is also about your relations with other people. So uh, this is the, the, the sort of argument that Dallas Willard tries to make. Um, because it comes right after this passage about... Um, you know, not forcing people, not, not trying to, you know, impose your pearls on them, uh, your holy good things on them, right? And right after that, it, it tells us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And yes, it does talk about prayer after this. But I want to show you at the very end of this passage, it says, uh, in the ESV, it says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And that word in Greek, uh, so, is un, 
which often gets trans- uh, translated as therefore. Therefore, whatever you, you, do, you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That makes zero sense if you only think this passage is about praying to God, right? Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Therefore, <laughs> whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Like, that makes no sense. I thought we were talking about prayer. And so Dallas Willard makes the argument, yes, we are talking about prayer, but the, the attitude that you are supposed to have in prayer is the same attitude you're supposed to have to other people. It kind of makes sense, right? Uh, we were talking about this idea of um, love for God is not just a straight line between you and God, but it is meant to be a circle. And the circle encompasses your relationship with God, right? So you and God, but also your relationship with other people and their relationship with God. All those things are supposed to be in unity. I kind of look like a Jedi doing this right now. (laughs) These things are supposed to be in unity. So in other words... You know, you get these weird passages that if you only think that your relationship with God is about you and God, make zero sense. They they, they sound really weird. These passages that say, if you do not forgive the sins that people have committed against you, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive the sins you've committed against God. That makes zero sense. If you're only looking at your relationship with God, But it makes perfect sense if you understand that God's design is that we are in harmony, in union, in love with God, but also with other people. So, brothers and sisters, the way you communicate with God, in a way, I I mean, you know, follow me here. I know this seems kind of weird because you're like, do you pray to other people? You know, okay, so follow me here a little bit. But the attitudes and the respect that you have for God. In some ways, in some ways, not in all ways, but in some ways should be the same that you have for other people. Does that make sense? So when it's talking about asking, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. It is talking first about how you talk to other people. Right? Do you notice that it doesn't say to God yet? Right, And so at the heart of the community of prayerful love, when it comes to God and other people, at the heart of it is the request. It's the request. Asking. That's so different than demanding. Right? Why is that different? How is a request different than, (laughs) you know, condemning someone? Than, than forcing someone, than ordering someone. How is that different? Well, brothers, in that, uh, brothers and sisters, in that is a choice. And in that choice lies what love is all about, right? Now, sometimes people um, always ask this question, why did God give us this pesky free will, right? I, I'm not going to get into all the ins and outs. It'll make your head hurt. But it's like, you know, God, why didn't you just create a world where we just love you automatically, right? Brothers and sisters, I think because in many ways, without the freedom of choice, there is no love. 
It's something else, right? I mean, you know, God didn't create robots. They're just like, I love you, God. I love you, God. I mean, brothers and sisters, as a parent, you don't want that from your kids. You know, oh, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. And your, your kid is like, I love you too, because I must. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Do you want that from a partner? Do you want them from your friends? I have to love you. I'm contractually obligated. <laughs> Nobody wants that, right? That's not love. You have to have freedom in love, right? Does that make sense? So at the heart of all your relationships, you cannot force people to do things. You, you, you shouldn't manipulate them. I know you can. But in that, if you do that, you are violating the hearts of what is at uh, what is at the heart of the community of prayerful love, which is the request. It's the freedom to say yes or to say no. That is implied in the community of prayerful love, right? There is that out. Someone can choose not to love you back. Brothers and sisters, I, there are times, and I, I want to apologize to anyone in this room that I've said this to. It's biblically true, by the way. But maybe the tone in which this came out um, made it seem like you didn't have freedom. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of what I did, uh, of what someone else did to me. So I was in China uh, doing missions once. It was a short-term mission trip. We were at this um, language school. And, uh, we were teaching English to, uh, to, uh, you know, these, um, these kids. And there was another missionary there, this older gentleman. And I don't know what was going on, but he like, like, I, I don't know if I did something wrong, but he got like really mad at me and, and just was like, like being like really just rude to me and, and like these kinds of things. And I was just like, what the heck is going on? You know, and so this went on for, I, I was there, uh, it, was, it was a short trip, like maybe, I want to say 10 days, but our, our time there was very tense. And the day before I left, he came up to me and he was like, hey, Steve, um, I wanted to apologize for the way that I was treating you. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I've had a tough week. I took it out on you. It was wrong. And I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? And in my heart, I felt this real, like, you know, yeah, like this, like, lightness in me, you know? And, and I was like, oh, man, like, that was so awesome that he, he apologized, you know? And I'm about to say, of course, of course I forgive you. And then he said this. He said, because you have to forgive me, because we're Christians. I was like, hmm, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, brother. <laughs> hold up. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, is he was right. He was right. And so this is my apology. This is my, my very, <laughs> I keep doing this today, but my very roundabout apology. I've said this before to people who are like in conflict with other people. I'm like, you have to forgive them. You have to forgive them because Jesus says so, right? I've said that to people before. And I know it does, I mean, you know, it, in scripture, it, it basically says that. <laughs> However, Maybe the way that came out made it seem like you didn't have a choice. And not having that choice. I mean, number one. I mean, how does that make you feel if someone says, you have to do this? It's like telling them, you have to love me. You have to be kind to me. (laughs) You have to give me money. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. Right? It doesn't make you want to do it. Right? It doesn't inspire love in people. Yeah? 
And so in the same way, brothers and sisters, I mean, ultimately, I do hope that you get to a place where you forgive people. There are many, many reasons why you should do that. But I want to tell you, God is giving you a choice. You do have a choice. You must have a choice. He's asking more than he is demanding. He's inviting. I mean, just one more example of this kind of idea of, you know, what does it look like to, to, why is the request so important? Have you ever been forced to be at a social gathering? Like, like, you know, I use the word social gathering, but it's a party. Were you ever like little and your parents are like, hey, we're having a dinner party. We're having some guests over and you didn't want to be there. Maybe you didn't want to be there because you had no choice. Right? And, and, and we were talking about this last night in youth group, um, how like a lot of times, like, like, especially if you're the oldest kid there, you have to take care of all the younger kids. Right? Your parents are having the, the time of their lives. They're laughing with their friends. <laughs> you know, they're, they're having so much fun. They're eating good food. They're eating dessert. You know, maybe they have a little glass of wine and they're having so much fun. And you're there like, I hate mom and dad. I don't want to be, I got to watch these little kids, right? Why is it so fun for the friends, but it's not fun for you? Why? Because they were invited. <laughs> they were invited. You weren't invited. You were forced. You were forced. Right? It makes all the difference in the world. Would you like to come? <laughs> I am inviting you to come. I am not violating your kingdom and your ability to say yes to this by forcing you. I am allowing you in your freedom to decide to come. Right? Have, you, have you ever heard like, like Revelations uh, 3.20 where it says, you know, Jesus is talking. If you see that, it, it's in the red letters in, in many of your Bibles, which means that this is Jesus talking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I knock. Why does Jesus knock at the door of your heart? Why does he knock? Why? Because he doesn't force his way in. He doesn't force his way in. Dallas Willard says uh, that Jesus is a gentleman, <laughs> right? He doesn't force himself into people's lives, right? It's always an invitation. It is always an offer. I know for many people, we don't like this. And we're like, why, why does God give us free choice? Because there is no love without choice, without freedom, right? And so God is offering this, and you must Offer it to other people. Now, this is the thing. It says in verse 8, Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be open. That seems like an overpromise to me <laughs> in many ways, especially when it comes to other people. Right? Does everyone who asks receive? Does everyone who seeks finds? Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened? I mean, not if you're a telemarketer, right? <laughs> but I, I know for many people, uh, telemarketer, this isn't really, you know, someone who comes and knocks on your door. I had that happen this week, and they were asking me if I needed new windows, and I said no. <laughs> I turned down that request. But brothers and sisters, in the community of prayerful love, when it is a community of love, the normative thing is that with the request, oftentimes it is answered. A request is a powerful thing. 
It is a very, very powerful thing, right? If you don't believe me that a request is a powerful thing, ask yourself, why is it that we don't want to answer our doors or we don't want to pick up the phone, even when it's a telemarketer, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you know someone is going to ask you something and you avoid them? Why? Why? If you've ever done that, and brothers and sisters, I think probably all of us are guilty of that, right? I don't know. Maybe there's that one like Jeepsanim at church who always asks people to do things, and you see him and you're like, oh, nope. <laughs> Turn the other way. Uh, sorry, that for those of you that, that aren't familiar with that term, it's like, you know, like a deacon at church, like this elder. And, and you just know they always ask you to do something like, oh, they're going to ask you to be a Sunday school teacher. They're going to ask me to, you know, take out the trash. They're going to ask me whatever, right? And you're like, oh, I'm just going to totally avoid this guy, right? You know then the power of the request, right? Anyone have a dog? Yeah? Okay, you know the power of a request, right? When I'm eating my food, like, like <laughs> I never make eye contact with my dog, Right? My dog just, he just very patiently just waits there. You know, sometimes he'll just lay down, just lay on my feet, right? And he'll just make little noises. <laughs> right? What does my dog want? My dog wants food. I'm like, don't, don't look at the dog. Don't look at the dog. Cause if I look at the dog and the dog looks up at me and it's like, I don't know, like dogs' expressions, they really don't change. I know you see all these things like, the dog is smiling. They're not smiling, right? They're just, that's just the way their face is shaped. But I tell you, when I look at my dog, when I'm eating, those few times in weakness, I, I look down, right? I mean, it's like his eyes are full of tears. And he's just, don't you love me? Don't you? And you're like, oh, okay, have all the food, right? <laughs> That's the power of the request. You don't want to make eye to- contact because you know the power of the request, right? And in the community of prayerful love, I know, brothers and sisters, for many of us, the reason why you don't make a request is because you're afraid they're going to say no. You want to control them, right? You make a demand because you're like, well... <laughs> It's not really a request. <laughs> I want what I want, and I want them to give them give me what I want. But brothers and sisters, what is the cost to that? Is it really about getting what you want, or is it ultimately about building the relationship with that other person? Now, this is the thing. In communities of prayerful love, nine times out of ten, I mean, there's no exact science to this, but I'm just making this up, pulling out of thin air. Nine times out of ten, the request is answered. How many times have you asked a friend something and they've turned you down? Like, seriously, think about it. That you've asked a friend for something and they've turned you down without good reason. Now, if there is a good reason, if they have something else going on, right, they might turn you down. If it's not good for you, they're asking you, hey, you know, give me rat poison. You're like, no, I'm not going to give you rat poison, right? There's usually a good reason for it, right? That if that person loves you, you can rest assured that the reason why they're saying no is not because they just, they just don't like you or they're just trying to be mean. But in that love, as that love is fostered, right? Nine times out of 10, the, the request will be answered. And if it isn't, there will be a very good reason for it. Isn't that true? Yeah? So at the heart of our relationships must be request. And it must be 
with God. It must be with God. Right? So, um, I'm going to skip over this very tempting picture. We'll go back to this, right? So, now, it, it starts, it's starting to talk about, think of this in terms of our relationship with other people and with God. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, brothers and sisters, I mean, this is, you know... It's just kind of like the way parents are supposed to be. Is you're supposed to give good things to your kids. We don't always, <laughs> but if you don't, I mean, if there was a parent that that didn't give good things, I mean, it's a huge violation of trust, right? Um, I, I, I was thinking about this kind of like idea of giving good things to your kids, and I was thinking of uh, did anyone see this? Like these things have gone viral. Um, Jimmy Kimmel does this thing. It's so evil. It's so bad. I, I, I wrote very boldly on here, boldface, don't do this to your kids. Please don't do this to your kids. Um, there's this prank that Jimmy Kimmel does every year where the day after Halloween, you tell your kids, you, you take their Halloween candy and you tell them that the, the parents say, we ate all your candy. Right, And so these are some of the still shots from these videos that the parents are like, oh, this is so hilarious. Right, They film their kids, their poor, trusting kids. They're like, mom and dad, why would you eat all my Halloween candy? And they're crying and they're bawling. And there actually are some videos where, where the, the, the kid is like, like, oh, why did you do that? They're like, oh, I got hungry, you know, or whatever. And the kid's like, oh, it's okay, I forgive you. And it's like, oh... Man, that kid, like, you don't deserve that kid. You're such a mean parent. Right, look, look how kind your kid is. You know, uh, uh, Aaron was telling me about one of her coworkers who, uh, this was like a long time ago. Back in the day when we all had phones in our homes, right? Uh, where, where they had a, a cell phone and like, you know, they blocked the number so that, you know, there's like no caller ID. And they called the, 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 the house and they pretended to be the kid's school. And they're like, you know, we're just calling to inform you that, you know, the Ann Arbor School District uh, will not have school tomorrow due to snow. And the kids are like, yeah, yeah, and they're, they're celebrating. And then the parent comes down and they're like, just kidding, it was me. Don't do that to your kids. What kind of cruel, messed up parent would do that, right? And the thing is, brothers and sisters, why these kids are crying so much, right? Obviously, the kid, the parents didn't really do it, right? They're following some stupid prank that some talk show host told them to do, right? But the reason why they're crying so much is because it's such a betrayal, right? It's a betrayal. I mean, this just proves the rule, right? They're like, I have, like, who are you right now? Right? You're my parents. I know you give good things to us. Why would you do that? Right? It is such a violation of the nature of the, the parents, you know, child relationship, you know? But brothers and sisters, we know, um, yeah, let's just look at this passage again. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Now, I, I want to um, go back just for a second where it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And knock and it will be opened to you. So um, just a real quick Greek lesson. This is actually true in a lot of languages, including Korean. It is not true in English. But 
It will be given to you. It will be given is just one word. It's just a verb. The it is implied, right? In Korean, like, like if I say, 사랑해요, right? It just, it just means love, right? But I is in, is implied, right? The subject is implied. So it is implied in here. It just says ask and given to you. That, that's what it says in Greek, right? So we imply the it. And that doesn't really sound good as an English sentence. So we put the word it. My question is, what will be given to you? What will be given to you? Most of us, we imply, right? We think that when you ask, when you ask of God, when you ask of other people, that what will be given to you is exactly what you wanted. But let's take a look at this passage where it talks about, you know, the, 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 the kid asking for something. If his son asks him for bread, will, he, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a serpent, will you give, well, sorry, he, the kid didn't ask for a serpent, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some kids are like, I want a pet snake. I don't know. If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that when you ask for something, God will not give you something bad. Will not give you something that is harmful. Something that is just categorically not good for you, right? But notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say that God will give you exactly what you want. You see that? Jesus says God will give you good gifts. Yeah? Do you hear that? So God will give you good gifts to those who ask. And this is very important. This is one of the things that I think many of us don't realize, that maybe many of us are not asking. God will give you good things. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God will give you good things? Dallas Willard shared this story in his book, Divine, The Divine Conspiracy, about how he visited this um, this very like like uh, uh, godly couple. I mean, they loved the Lord. They'd been going to church their whole lives, and um, they were sharing about their son, who uh, was having some financial difficulties. Their business was not doing well, and so uh, Dallas Willard asked them, "Well, so how have you been praying for your son and his business? How's how have your prayers been going?" And they're like, "Pray for our son's business, like." What? It, like, like they couldn't compute that. They're like, why would we pray for his business? No, like, like that, that just seems like kind of selfish, doesn't it? And, and so, you know, Dallas Willard's point was, for many of us, we won't hesitate to pray for, you know, like, like, like the spiritual life, right? Like, like for uh, th- those parents, they would easily pray for their son's salvation, right? Or, or to pray for their son's health. When it comes to business, money, can we pray for those things? And so this is the thing, brothers and sisters. What if you never prayed for things like money? Or you never prayed for your work or your school? For many of us, this is a huge part of your life. It is a huge part of your life. I mean, a lot of you, you're, you're spending so much time worrying about it, right? You're spending so much time focused on it, right? And to never include God in that conversation. Brothers and sisters, I don't think that's God's intent. 
Maybe some of us, we don't pray because we don't want God to meddle in our, our business. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, if we're being really honest, that's why we don't pray about it. We're afraid God will be like, well, you don't need as much. You know, you're like, okay, no, we're not going to give this to God. But brothers and sisters, what if it were true that you have a heavenly father that wants to give you good things? Remember, I'm being very clear about this. Not giving you necessarily what you want, but giving you good things. He wants to give you good things. And maybe the problem is, is that we're not asking for those good things. So um, this is my confession, kind of a parenting fail last week. So some of us, uh, uh, we were at the Super Bowl party at my house last week. Uh, uh, we, we had like, I think we had like over 50 people. It was like the biggest Super Bowl party we've ever had. And my wife was at a baby shower for someone in LGM. And so she wasn't there. And so for those of you guys who, who came... I hope you had a good time, and I'm sorry. It was just chaos at the beginning. So my wife is the organizer. She's always the one that's like, okay, this goes here. This is the flow of the room. Okay, you start over here. You get pizza, and then you get this, and then you get this. You work yourself. She's awesome, right? My wife was not there, and so people are coming in with dishes. They're like, where do they, we, we put this? I'm like, put it anywhere. Just put it somewhere. I don't know, right? It was just chaos, right? And And so... Like, I'm sitting there, and I'm just like like a, a chicken with my head cut off. You know, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm just like running around. And in the midst of this, my youngest daughter, Sydney, seven years old, she had already gotten a popsicle, but she noticed I was walking around with a tray of cookies. She was like, Dad, can I have a cookie? And in this moment, my head's spinning, right? And this is my parenting fail, because she already had a popsicle. You don't need more sugar. You already had a popsicle. And I'm like, Sydney, do you really need a cookie? You just had a popsicle. And she's like, yeah, I need a cookie. And so, I, I, like, in that moment, this is my parenting fail, is I just gave her the cookie. I was just like, you know what? I, I'm just going to give it to you. I just, like, broke off a piece of the cookie. I was like, okay, here, I'll just give you a piece of the cookie. Just just leave me alone, right? And I just gave her the cookie, right? And I'm fully expecting that when she walks into the room, because there's a room with all the kids, that the other kids are going to see that cookie, and they're like, hey, I want a cookie too, right? I'm, like, bracing myself for this, right? But Sydney eats the cookie really fast. No one sees the cookie, right? <laughs> and so... We kind of get away with it, right? But there's a broken off piece of cookie. If you see a broken off piece of cookie, no one takes that cookie, right? So later, that, that, uh, Aaron and Elise are walking by, right? And they see this broken off cookie and they're like, hey, someone like bit a piece of a cookie and just put it back, <laughs> right? And Cindy was like, yeah, how about that? Yeah, just, who would do that? Now, to be fair, maybe Cindy didn't know that was her cookie. Right. But for me, I was like, yeah, who would do that? You know, and, and so th- I, this is my confession. This is my confession. When, when they went to, to when, when they went to school and work, I threw away that piece of cookie. I'm like, I, it's just condemning me. Right. Like I'm just looking at that bitten off piece of cookie. I, I don't want them to ask any more questions. So I just you just threw it away. Right. Just sweep it under the rug. Right. And later, like, like they came home. They're like, hey, dad, good to see you. How was your day? I'm like. Okay, I gave Sydney part of the cookie. Like, they didn't ask me. But I just cracked under the pressure. I was like, I have a confession. I gave Sydney part of the cookie. And and Elise had this very good question. She was like, why, why didn't you give me a piece of cookie, too? I had a popsicle. I would like to, a piece of cookie. And this is what I told her. Like, seriously, I'm, this is not a, a, a proud parenting moment. But I said, because you didn't ask. <laughs> I'm sorry, Elise. I asked for her for permission to tell the story. Um, 
Brothers and sisters, maybe we don't receive because we don't ask. <laughs> Last night, we were going over the story of the prodigal son. And it was, it was a great Bible study for those of you guys who were here. Um, it was so good. And it was told from the, the we, we read the prodigal son story. But instead of reading it the way most of us do, which is from the perspective of the younger son, we read it from the perspective of the older son. So you guys know the story, right? The older son is the faithful one. He's the one who's just stays with the father the whole time while the younger son, man, that little punk, right? He takes in his inheritance and he wastes it, right? And he goes and he parties it up, wastes all his money and then comes crawling back on his hands and knees. And then the dad is so overjoyed that to have the younger son back that he throws a big party. And so the older son is working in the field. He's out there working in the field. That's a, a, a detail that many of us don't notice. He's, he's been, been working hard like he does every day for the father. And he's coming home. Nobody told him there was a party going on, right? As he's working out in that field. I mean, he comes back and hears this noise and everyone's like, ah, you know, they're, they're having a good time and everyone's like flossing and they're doing all this stuff. And he's like, what the heck is going on? And someone's like, oh, your brother's home. We th- you know, your, your, your dad threw him a party. He got the best fattened calf, you know, and, and they're, they're eating ribeye in there and filet mignon. And, and, and he, he's like, what? And so he gets salty, right? And so he, he, he refuses to go in, right? He's just mm, not going in. And so, so the dad hears about this. He comes out and he's like, hey, what are you doing out here? Come in. It's a party. Your brother's here. Come on. Let's party. And he's like, yo, all these years, I've been slaving for you. And you never even gave me just a small lamb to, to celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, who's disgraceful, he, he comes back and you throw him a party. You, you give him the best fattened calf. And, and, and this is what the father says. He says, my son, I love you. You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate. Your, your, your brother basically came back from the dead. But everything I have is yours. Now, brothers and sisters, the, the, the corollary to the older brother is the Pharisees. These people who have this relationship with God where, yes, they are trying to be very faithful. They follow the law to a letter. Right? There's not much joy in it, though. And one of the things that, that I wonder in that story is maybe the, the, the older son who says, you never gave me a fattened calf. You never gave me even a small lamb to, to, to you know, celebrate with my friends. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because the older brother never asked. Maybe. Maybe the older brother didn't know that he could ask. He couldn't ask for good things. And maybe all this time that in that relationship... Now, brothers and sisters, don't get twisted. I'm not saying that God won't give you good things if you don't ask. But I'm telling you this. You may not know it's a good thing unless you ask. Do you hear that? God may be giving you all these things. The older brother was there the whole time. You think the older brother wasn't eating? You don't think he had good food? But he didn't even know it was good food, right? How many of us, when we're younger and your parents are feeding you, and brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, I didn't appreciate food before the age of 18. I really didn't. 
Like hardly ever. No, my parents would feed me all this good food. And it wasn't until I didn't have it, right? And I had to ask someone for it. Yo, can we get some Korean barbecue? Man, I had Korean barbecue all the time. Can I get some steak? My parents fed me steak the whole time. I didn't know it was good. I didn't know it was good. Because I just took it for granted, right? Brothers and sisters, there is something about asking. There is something in that where you have to trust in the goodness of God. And you get to see the goodness of God deliver. Right now, brothers and sisters, it, 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 scripture will back me up if you think I'm just pulling this out of nowhere. Right. It, so let's take a look at this. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have. So you murder, you covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So some of you may be jumping very naturally where it goes in James to say, but Pastor Steve, I've totally asked God for things. I ask God every week to win the lottery. (laughs) And I haven't won the lottery yet. So you just said you ask God and then he'll give you what? Good things. But what does it say in James? It says, what is causing your distress is these passions that are at war within you. I put an asterisk there because the Greek word is pleasure, hedone, right? Which is, you know, you've probably heard the term hedonism, right? Which is the pursuit of pleasure, right? So the, the, the word here is really pleasure, right? This is the way we're all wired. There are things that we want. You just want them. You just see them. You know, you you see advertisements. You see someone else with that thing. You just want it. You just want it, right? Whether or not it's really good for you, you just want it, right? And that's the way all of us are wired. Now, this is the thing, right? You know, like like any kid might, you know, say, like, you tell your kid, like, what do you want to eat? You know, I asked my, my, my kids that, especially Sydney, and, you know, I, I, I like, should not ask that. Right? I'm like, what do you want to eat for breakfast? And she's like, I want cake. I'm like, you can't have cake. It's like, okay, then I want ice cream. You can't have ice cream for breakfast, right? This is the, the heart of what we're talking about here, right? We want certain things, but God doesn't want to just give you what you want. He wants to give you what is good. So when you ask for these things, this is what it's saying. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your pleasure. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. We are asking for things that we want. And brothers and sisters, let me be very clear. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to grow your relationship with God, if you want to understand that God is good, then you have to understand that the answer to your question may be no. The answer to your question is, okay, I know you asked for this, but I'm going to give you this instead. And implied in that is trusting in the goodness of God who knows what is best, who knows what is truly good for you, right? The implication in this is spending these things on our passions, on our pleasures, is not always what is best. Don't we know that to be true? How many times there's something you wanted and you did it? You know, maybe wisdom told you, don't do it. Don't eat cake for breakfast. I'm like, I'm going to do it anyways. And you have a big stomach ache. (laughs) Well, I wanted to do it. 
And then afterwards you're like, why? Why? Why, Dad, did you let me have cake for breakfast? It's like, because you wanted it. That's not our God. That's not our God. Right? There is nothing wrong with asking God for help in your school, in your work, in whatever is going on in your life, in your relationships. Right? But in the community of prayerful love, there is this place where God is bringing us to, in your relationships with other people, to trust that they are going to want good things for you and to know that of God. That is ultimately where God wants us to be. Yeah? You know, as a parent, I do want my parent, my, my kids to ask me for what they want. Now, the power of the request is such where, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, stop asking me, you know, or don't ask for that. You know, but think of it this way. Would you want your kid to have all these things they care about, that they really want, that they've been longing for? And then they're like, yeah, mom and dad will never go for that. They, They wouldn't want me to have fun. They wouldn't want me to have enjoyment. So I'm just going to swallow this and never ask. As a parent, would you want that for your kids? Is that the kind of relationship you would want? Of course not. There is nothing wrong with asking God, yeah? But God also wants you to learn more and more that when he says no, when he says maybe, when he says wait, (laughs) when he says not yet, when he says no buts or yes buts, It is because he is a good God. And he wants good things for you. Amen? Amen. Can we ask the the praise team to come up? I want to just just take a moment to think. What is your view of God? Do you see God as somebody who, you know, God is just a force, right? It's just a force of nature. You can't ask God things because God's mind is already made up. Brothers and sisters, many times in scripture, you know, I I don't know what you do with this theologically if if you're in a place where you're like, God never changes his mind or whatever, because there's many times where Moses or Abraham, they would pray to God and they'd be like, God, I know you said you were going to do this, but can I appeal to your goodness? Can I ask you to spare this city? Can I ask you to change your mind? I know that does not square with some of us in our view of God. We see God as just, as Dallas Willard said, that he grew up thinking God was in an unblinking stare. Can you imagine what that's like, an unblinking stare? Just, I never change, right? There's not much love in that. And brothers and sisters, maybe in some way you're like, okay, well, God knew that you would ask that, and so really God was in control the whole time. But brothers and sisters, to think of our God as a God who cares about you, who wants to hear from you, He wants to hear what you want. He wants to hear your prayers. And yes, I think he will sometimes give them to you. And if he doesn't, it will be because he's good, not because he's cruel, not because he's holding out or he's a stingy God. Do you believe that your God is a generous God, that your God desires what is best for you, that God desires for you to know him and for you to have joy in your life? There's not much joy with the older brother, is there? We're talking about this with the praise team. It's a word that's been coming up for me a lot. I know for me, sometimes, I like to give kids uh, things to my kids just because I know it brings them joy. 
There's no other reason. I just know it's going to make them smile. Do you believe that your Heavenly Father is like that with you? He wants to give you things just to make you smile sometimes. I, I, I don't have scripture to back that up, but I just see that so many times it talks about rejoice, rejoice. One of my friends said um, on his honeymoon, he was with his wife, and um, his wife really uh, loved dolphins, always wanted to see a dolphin. And um, they were supposed to go on this dolphin cruise, and it just seemed like, you know, like, like, like the captain was like, you know what, it's just not good, good conditions for dolphins today. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. And, and his wife was just hanging over the bow, you know, like Titanic style, and, and she's just having a good time there with God. Dolphins or no dolphins. And all of a sudden, just these dolphins just start leaping out of the, the ocean. Right? Just leaping out of the ocean. And, and, and his, his wife just lifts her hands up and is like, Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Daddy. You know, and, and my, my friend who's a pastor, he's looking at that. He's like, theologically, I, I don't know how to square that, you know? Does God just really want my wife to see dolphins? He's like, you know, maybe my view of God is this, like, you know, it's always, you know, you got to follow the rules. You got to do this and do that. Maybe that's not truly, truly, fully the heart of God. Maybe our God is a God that maybe sometimes wants you to see dolphins. <laughs> Who just wants you to have joy. Mm. I don't know about you, but I like that. I, I, I just... Man, the idea, God wants you to have joy. Let's just take a moment and just reflect on that. And maybe there's something you just want to ask of your, your daddy, your heavenly father. Don't you know that your God wants to give you good things? Not what you want, but what is truly good. Can you trust him with that? The thing you are asking for right now, maybe he's going to say no, or he's going to say no but, or he's going to say wait, Brothers and sisters, can we start to lean in and trust? God is a faithful God. He's a good God. He wants to give good things to his children. Can we trust that? Lord, thank you so much for um, this beautiful word, this beautiful teaching from your son that's teaching us about your heart. You want to give us good things. You want us to learn to give good things to other people and to ask for other people instead of demanding, instead of forcing. What a beautiful picture of love that we can have with one another and with you. God, thank you so much. May we know your goodness more and more. May may we not be afraid to ask, but may we trust you enough to know that you will give us not what we want, but what is truly good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.